Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond Sunday. Thanks for joining us. We are in week three of our Anchored series here at Cornerstone Fellowship. If you're new to Beyond Sunday, we have this conversation every week as a follow-up to the sermon that was preached on the weekend. This weekend, Pastor Becky Fitch was able to bring the message. Great job, Becky. Thank you. How'd you feel about the weekend? Um, I, I felt, I felt, I mean, that's a weird question for me to answer because I always feel like anxious and weird, but I was really excited to teach the topic, um, that, uh, that the sermon was on. And so it, uh, it just provided like a different level of calm because I think it's something that I've seen lived out in my life or even like with friends or people around me when they're going through suffering or trials or pain, like the kind of the Christianese response of this like unexplained, like shallow positivity mm -hmm. um, has caused so much damage to so many people that I love. And even in my life growing up in the church. And so getting to kind of um, weed through a little bit, some of that like false doctrine was, was mm -hmm. fun for me That's um, yeah. to help reframe it. Yeah, that's fun. That's awesome. And Adrian's with us, also our Walnut Creek campus pastor. You didn't preach, but you're just lopping on and being a part of the conversation, which is great. I'm the eye candy. You're the eye candy. Oh, can you guys help me real quick? Um, I, don't, I don't even know how to say, because you were in the book of Lamentations, Lamentations. Lamentations. I can't say that word. How do you pronounce it? I say lamentations, but that could be like... So it's you lament, but it's lamentations. Yeah. It's not lamentations. Lamentation sounds weird, though, I feel like. I know, but when you say lament, it's lament. And when it's lamentations, it's lamentations. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're way off topic. The best accent that I still carry every once in a while is very, like, eh, like nasally. And so like lamentations is just how I'm going to say it regardless of if it's right or wrong. But know. if you say something with confidence, it's right. So basically. Yeah. Lamentations. Basically. Okay. So um, I really, when you did your um, run through earlier in the week, I just like, it immediately hit me how much I love the concept of um, holding together both honesty and hopefulness um, and not like, veering off towards one at the expense of the other when someone is going through a hard time, whether that's you or whether you're in a relationship and you're talking with someone who's going through a hard time. Um, I think we have a tendency to err in either direction and the skill of holding them both together fully is oftentimes lacking in Christian relationships and the value of that being present is amazing. So I thought that that was, that was super powerful. And so I'd love for us to dig into that even, even more than what you did in the sermon. And maybe we can talk about experiences with those type of things, because I know I've experienced people when I'm struggling, like do both with me. Like they'll, like you said, Becky, like you unpacked, I'll just get a Christian platitude of all things work together. And like, and I've done that where it's like, I don't have time to like really empathize or care about you. And so I'm going to, I'm annoyed that you're even like down. And so I'm gonna try to lift you up with like a Christian platitude. And then I've also done the, like, yeah, I'm down too. And so I'm gonna wallow in like the everything, everything is terrible, like honesty of the hardness of the situation. So I don't know, I, I that all really resonated with me. I don't know about you, Adrian, if you felt that too, as you were listening to Becky. 
Absolutely. I think that the struggle for me is I don't know that I'm hopefully I'm not that that fake like, hey, buck up, you know, things will get better. There's a reason for everything. But I think sometimes my when I see someone who's struggling, my desire is to help them to mm -hmm. be. A and often we're not supposed to fix. We're supposed to walk the road with someone. We're supposed to endure with them or just be present with them. Um, because when I have tried to be the fixer, there aren't words to fix. Um, hey, you know, I'm out of work. Hey, my loved one is sick. Um, hey, I have cancer and just got diagnosed. There aren't words that I can share. And when I try to create those words, then you come up with, you know, when, you know, God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Uh, when God shuts the door, he opens a window and silly stuff like that, which God's in heaven probably going, wait, where did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> the reality is we're supposed to just be, bear each other's burdens. Right. Be with them, but not say, hey, I'm going to give you a little saying that solves it. And so I think it's well-meaning, but I think, you know, Becky was right on. It's just that we, we're in a culture where that doesn't fit. And so we create this, this parallel line of teaching that hope always has a smiley face. Um, and that's just not real. That's not biblical, you know, and we see that in the passage that she talked about. Mm -hmm. I said, she, like, you weren't right there <laughs> on my screen. I mean, uh, no, that's a good point. Like, I think sometimes we... Um, we say these words that sound hopeful, but it, the reason's less to like bring hope to that person and more to like appease our own discomfort with having to sit with their sadness or their sorrow or their pain. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, I, I said in the sermon, like we just, our culture, our society isn't like trained to, to deal with grief, to deal with sorrow in a, in a, in a real genuine way. Um, we, we shy away from it because it's uncomfortable and we don't like being uncomfortable. And so life's about me. I can just remove myself from this uncomfortable situation by saying something that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And we don't recognize what it develops in us as far as like the appreciation for how good God is, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's scary. It's painful. Let's avoid it. And yet, you know, the older I get, the more I learn when I read passages in what Jesus did rather than just what he said, you know, the fact that he wept. Uh, you know, when Lazarus was dead, uh, he knew he had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was about to do it. And yet he also recognized there was something more important. For, so he sat there and he mourned. He lamented over his friend. And there's something that I think we need to look at and recognize like, okay, if Jesus even mourned and lamented over that kind of loss, it's not something that we should skip over. It's not something that we should ignore. There's something about it that is at least appropriate, you know, shouldn't, you know, just skip over it. Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, it's even like, um, in our culture and I think, and I think this is changing for the positive and I think the church is kind of coming around on, um, there's been like an anti-counseling stigma or therapy that is, is, I've seen as a part of American culture and there are rugged individualistic, which, which has positives in terms of creating personal responsibility and taking care of the things you need to take care of. But the downside of it is also um, like, you just got to be okay. And you got to, you just got to buck up and you got to, and so like, there's this, there's this resistance to like the sorrow and the like getting into pain and getting into how, how it feels and what's that's doing. Like, that I met that resistance. And I know it, it would be super hard for you guys to believe and everyone listening, but like I've had to go to counseling um, before in my life and needed that. And I know I don't give off that impression at all, but I have. Um, 
But like the process that a good therapist will go through is they don't start, like you said, Adrian, with the solution. Like they start with, okay, what's going on? And let's sit there for a while and unpack that and feel that and experience that. And they'll validate that in you before they start getting to like anything that could resemble by the end of the appointment, or maybe sometimes it's like four appointments later, anything that resembles some like tangible next steps that need to be taken um, in order to like grow. And that's where the hopefulness. And so part of like saying all things work together, all things do work together. And that is a true biblical statement that we all believe in, but there's timing that like the timing is everything like in a good joke, but also in like caring for someone and that, that statement, walking someone through all things working together, that would come near the end of a journey of like sitting with someone and, and kind of walking through a journey. And it, oftentimes I feel like the honesty comes first in the equation and the hopefulness is how you leave the, the situation. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love the most about Becky's message was just that piece of the value of honesty and the, how that comes early. And you see it as she kind of un, unpacked, you know, lamentations a little bit and we're learning, you know, being introduced to Jeremiah and that kind of thing. And we see that process of honesty leading to hope throughout scripture. I mean, the, the place you see it the most clear, I think, is in the Psalms written by David where he starts off and he's like, Lord, you have abandoned me. And he talks about how he feels. I, you know, you've abandoned me. You've led me in front of my enemies. I'm surrounded by these people who want to kill me. These bulls of Bashan, whatever that means. It sounds bad. They're surrounding me. They're going to come and destroy me. And then there's always this, but, but after he gets honest and shares what's going on, but you are the God of Abraham and Jay, you know, and Isaac and, I will. And then the future comes at the very end. So I will proclaim your truth. But it's all based on him being very honest with how he feels and what's going on and saying, but I know you, this relationship with you is what everything pivots on. Mm -hmm. Because of that, here's now my plan of action. Now that all I've gone through that. And I can't, you know, I can't imagine that he sat down, you know, at his laptop in a cave and just wrote it out all in one sitting. I think that this was part of a man. It could have been, you know, months or years of him, going through this process and going back and changing it, going back and adding, going back and maybe being a little more honest so that at the end we have these beautiful Psalms that direct us to go through the process that you just identified is the healthy process of counseling. And we find it in scripture, you find it in Lamentations, you find it in Psalms. And I think the more we can recognize that in scripture, the easier it's gonna be for people who like me were brought up that you, you don't go to a counselor. That means that you're not as close to Jesus as you should be. You know, and is that true? Absolutely not. That's like saying, don't go to a doctor because if you're closer to Jesus, you wouldn't have broken your arm. You know, it's like, no, stuff happens and we need people who know more to help us process. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's counseling therapy. It's so important because I think counselors, they're trained to do what we're not good at, to sit in that grief and sit in that discomfort and explore that in a real honest and transparent way without offering those quick solutions. and man, I did eight, I did eight months of counseling every single week, like after my brother died and it was so good. And it wasn't even all like about the loss of my brother and that specific grief, but man, it just transforms. You see how much this, this like uncomfortability with pain that we have and how it's interwoven into like every area and every relationship in my life. And it's so good to just 
peel that back and, and the freedom you experience and the joy you experience and the hope you experience, not when it's glossed over or when it's just, you know, you, you ignore it, but when you really reflect on it, honestly, I think that's when we get that genuine hope. And if we've never experienced pain and we've never processed that pain in an honest way, I don't think we've experienced the genuine hope that we can in God. Cause oftentimes it's like there in that despair and that brokenness that like God meets us most clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I totally, I totally resonate with that. That makes sense. I, I, I think everyone can quickly sense when you're in the presence of a person that it's not safe to be honest mm -hmm. and they don't want your honesty. Um, and there's just, there's just like, we're all, we all, when we're in a season, like we're in with COVID and we're so relationally disconnected, like that one of the, the next step that I got out of your sermon that you let us into was just pursuing those relationships where the opposite of that is true, where, where it's that person that you, you're going to be able to be honest with, but yet you're not going to wallow and they're not going to leave you there. There's going to be that hopefulness. And I've even like showed up at community groups and like within 20 minutes of the community group meeting, I'm like, Oh, this isn't a safe, this isn't a group where you're going to be honest at this group. Like you're going to have to, have the right answers and you're going to be a, a little bit more afraid to share because it's just got that vibe in the group. And like, people are good at picking that up on that really quickly. Yeah. You know, what I think is interesting though, is in the same way, I agree hundred percent that it's, you don't have to be around someone for a long time to know, Oh, they're not safe. There are people that I think have done the work to become safe people. And in the same way, it doesn't take a long time to figure out, Oh, that's a safe person. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've recognized for myself just to stay healthy um, is to kind of keep a list, yeah. to keep to make note of that's a safe person and then investing in that friendship in yeah. an appropriate way. So, like I got to develop a relationship yeah. with that person because I need as many healthy, honest, safe people um, to keep me on track, you know, to keep me making healthy decisions. Um, and I think that that's, you know, for me, that's been a really cool thing to notice is like, yeah, those unsafe people, you can spot them. But those super safe people, you, you also notice them, you know, and then it struggles to become one of those. Adrian, can we get a copy of that list? Yeah, who's on your list? I want, I want to know if Chris is on it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Yes. I just have solutions. I just write off solutions right away. <laughs> like, hey, just do this. Come on, stop being an idiot and just do this. Seriously. Um, no, I love it. That's, that's, that's really good. And it reminded me, I don't know when the last time I've read Lamentations is like, I, it's been a while. So it was, it was really, it was cool to open up that, that book and even just keep reading a little bit further. Cause it's been a really long time. Yeah. So, and this is definitely a season of, of lamenting. Um, and I, I, get it in meetings with people and calls from people all the time of just like them being in that place and giving them the permission to be there. And that's actually, it's health. It's a healthy part of our spiritual journey. So yeah. sometimes, well, I mean, I know you guys believe this too, but there's, I'm, I'm starting to see more of the blessings of, of God taking us through this, this weird, strange, uncertain, chaotic season. Like it, it's, it's, Sometimes he has to force us into these places of discomfort and to, to create changes in our patterns that we needed to have kind of shaken up a little bit. Absolutely. Well, and like Becky pointed out, it's, it's about him more than anything else. Mm -hmm. 
the the who rather than the what of our situation. Um, and I think if we allow, if we do the hard work of actually lamenting, of actually mourning, then we see some of the some of the health that comes with that. I mean, Jesus says, "Blessed are those who mourn." And he doesn't just say that, you know, and blessed means good for you. It's almost like congratulations, which is crazy. And that whole Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes, Jesus is just taking the whole value structure and flipping it upside down saying, oh, you think that, you know, people who don't mourn are lucky, but it's actually people who mourn. Mm -hmm. The point is if we can mourn healthy, uh, we're blessed. It's good for us because we're going to be comforted, which assumes there's a comforter. Yeah. The question would be like, well, who's going to comfort me in my morning? And it's the person who said those words originally. It's Jesus. And I think that's the thing that we have to keep driving back to, is that in this difficult time, in this time of increased mourning and lamentation, it's not just being, you know, sad and, and mourning that is healthy. It's making sure that we allow that to be the kick in our butts to drive us back to Jesus in a humble and submitted way um, so that we can grow closer to him because that's the process that brings real hope, that we're being transformed um, and we'll ultimately be with him for eternity, you know? Yeah, for sure. Hey, can I make it like a left turn topic change? Because um, like, I, I just, I want to share a little bit about kind of what I've been thinking and praying about around what's going on in our culture and kind of the way we respond to what's going on, especially with coronavirus. And when, um, and I want to talk about wearing a mask. Because I actually think this is an important discussion. And when this whole thing started, like the masks weren't the priority. It was kind of sheltering in place. And, but then when masks started to become more of a thing and it was encouraged more, I mean, I, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't like wearing a mask. And so I was like, eh, this feels dumb. I don't like this, but I guess I'll do it. And I've really been convicted of that because uh, you know, when I ask myself, okay, what does love require of me in regards to this issue? I can't, no matter how anyone feels about the severity of the coronavirus, that's almost irrelevant because the reality is the people who live around us and the people we interact with, many of them are um, genuinely worried and they, they care about their loved ones and they don't want to get it because they don't want to pass it to their parent who may have a health condition. And so, um, if I'm like a uh, master stupid, I'm not going to wear one. I look like to them, like I have zero love for them. Yeah. And my reality is that the gospel compels me to ask the question, what does love require? Um, uh, how am I supposed to love this person that I could just be walking past? And uh, there's no, for me, no matter how you feel about the severity of this virus, there's no way to answer that question without landing on, I should wear a mask because at, at a minimum, it gives the impression of um, I'm, care I'm caring about other people and I want to give off that impression to them. And so I've been like way more convicted of like, I need to be m mindful of that and conscious of that as an act of love for people. I don't know where you guys have landed or how you've processed through that. Well, I think for me, the, the passage that comes to my mind uh, that goes along, I agree hundred percent is uh, now, now that we're talking about, it, I'm going to forget. I think in Colossians, I, I think it's around chapter I don't remember, but Paul is writing to believers who have, who bought meat, sacrificed to idols. And they're Christians and they're saying, it's sacrificed to Apollo. Apollo isn't even a thing. So if I can buy it cheaper and feed my family, it's all right, right? 
And he says, he's talking about the, the Hellenistic, the Greek Christians who have just come to faith or are going to. He says, don't let your freedom be a stumbling block for a weaker brother. Mm-hmm. So he's saying if someone doesn't really isn't as close to Jesus or believes like, hey, you're being cavalier with my health, they're going to start judging you. They're going to think poorly of you. He says, so don't do that. And his closing line is there for whether you eat or drink or do whatever you do, do all for the glory of Christ. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, if you're going to have to get pay for more expensive meat, if you're going to have to wear a mask and feel the sweat in your beard, oh, well, you're doing this for the glory of Christ so that the people in line at Starbucks aren't thinking that, oh, yeah, those Christians don't care about people's health. That's they don't. such a great verse to bring that home. Like, I love that. Well, I didn't say it originally, but. No, I mean, just you thinking of that means you're just an amazing pastor. That was, that was impressive. On the spot. We didn't even, I didn't even prep you for this at all. <laughs> Becky, are you an anti-masker? No. I, I mean, we flew back to St. Louis and a few weeks ago to, um, to be with my family after my grandma's passing. That's a four-hour flight. But we wore our masks the whole time. Like, and again, it's not because, you know, necessarily like, I'm living in fear of contracting the, you know, COVID. Like it's it's because it's the loving thing for me to do. Like, and and I think that has to be the framework that we think through these things. Mm-hmm. There's just too much that is that's that's stressful and and tension filled and controversial. And so like, if if our starting place isn't, hey, okay, what does love require for me in this instance? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just, we're going to, we're going to feed into so much negativity that surrounds us. And so I think that that's important. Um, whether yeah. it's COVID or racial reconciliation or anything, like all of those, those tense topics right now, it has, it has to be filtered through that lens. That's, that's our duty. That's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to filter it through the lens that he filtered things through. Right. Um, yeah. so. It's also like even stepping into the reality of the situation. And I agree with that hundred percent, but what's helped me also even from a science perspective of what's going on with the virus is at first it was all about like what you touch. So is wash your hands, don't touch things and wash them again, because if you touch and then you touch your face. And so it was like touch base. And so the research around masks not working was research based on that type of thinking of it's preventing touching and masks don't help with that because you touch your mask and then it still doesn't block it based on touch. But then like as the virus developed even further, the research has shown that actually it's the touching isn't as much of the transmitter of you touching the virus and then putting it on your face. It's the airborne. And so like that helped me understand why at first there was the CDC was saying, well, masks aren't completely effective. And now they're saying wear the masks. It was because there was that shift from a touch based fear to the reality of now, it's actually not from what you touch. It's from the airborne particles that are yeah. coming out of your mouth and out of your nose that a mask really is effective to help um, uh, reduce those. So that helped me a lot as well. Besides but the whole I, Jesus uh, level. I heard this guy on YouTube say that it's not effective. <laughs> you know, the thing I would say though with that, and for people who watch YouTube, I ask your forgiveness, but they're watching YouTube right now, Adrian. I was just gonna like, say. Literally, this is the only platform we're on. This <laughs> is the thing that I, I've talked to a couple of people, and I've just said, you know, when they say, like, I saw this thing on YouTube, I say, why don't you talk to your doctor? Yeah. 
the person that you trust to order injection, to order treatment, ask your doctor if you should or not, because you already have trusted them and have this relationship. So ask them what they recommend, um, because you can find someone to say anything, you know. Cool. We found you to be on this, this uh, yeah. YouTube channel. So that's yeah. apparently true. Yeah. Anyways, cheap shot. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. I appreciate you all so much. And hopefully this is, um, gave everyone else and all the community groups who are listening, um, some good topics to discuss with your group, with your family. And, um, we'll continue. We have one more week in the series, right? Um, next week, who's preaching next week? Pastor Steve Madsen? Madsen, yeah. Closing up this series. And then we're going to uh, jump into a new series the week after that called the art of neighboring, right? Is that what we're calling it? Yep. So. Boom. Let's do it. All right. Love everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.